Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and with me today is Daniel. How you doing, Daniel? Doing quite well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. So we are covering potentially the most problematic show that has ever been on Unaired. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen with my eyeballs. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's from a very problematic human being. Yep. So we are covering Hee Hog the Atomic Pig, a lost pilot from John Crick Falusi. Now, if that name sounds familiar, he's behind Ren and Stimpy, uh, Spoom Co. Productions, and also a creep. Uh, so this show was made in 1999. 1999. It feels so much older than that in so many ways. It has that style of like kind of like a boomerang kind of show, like a show you'd see on boomerang. Yeah. Which I just realized boomerang. And it's, yeah. Wow. <laughs> OK, boomerang. <laughs> yeah. That just clicked in my mind. <laughs> so. This show follows Hee Hog, the atomic pig, who is a superhero who his secret identity is a therapist. Uh, that part was apparently cut from what circulated online until about 2013, until someone uploaded it. I am not at all surprised by that. Uh, that part should have been cut from the the con- the, the the concept phase. That that should be cut from existence. Yes. <laughs> this whole thing should. <laughs> it starts off with this whole therapist um, scene. It's five minutes long. So this initial pilot, when it first kind of circulated, was only 10 minutes, which is super short for a pilot. So it kind of makes sense that there was something cut from it. Rightfully so. Yeah. So he hog. I don't think he uh, has a name. Like a an actual like therapist like an name, alter like ego, yeah, like Doctor Pig or something like that. Yeah, I don't believe that we ever find anything out like that. No, there's surprisingly very little depth. There is some depth within his chest, though, at one point, but that's that's about <laughs> it. True. So he is speaking with a client. She says, "Oh, doctor, I'm awfully ashamed." He says, "Oh, there's nothing you can't tell me." There's nothing I haven't heard before. She says, good. I'm bursting all over. Zooms out. She's a very large-breasted female. He looks down, very pervily, and she says, well, I'm stacked. And that the men at the office say things, you know? And he very creepily goes, no, tell me. And it's just... Yeah, like, I want to hear you say them, I think is a line that he actually says... And it's just, ew, ew. It's very uncomfortable, especially coming from someone who made a children's TV show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. But uh, as history will show us, that is not out of the realm of possibility for this man. No. He continues this whole session and she says, I have a creeping suspicion that men think of me as an object. Do you see me as an object? As he is staring at her breasts. He says, ma'am, I am a psychologist. I see you as a human being, not a ripe, voluptuous woman. He says, excuse me, goes, gets a very tiny cup of water, splashes it in his face. 
and says, well, tell me about when this whole this whole thing started. She says, I developed pretty early. He insists that she did it in rebellion, which makes no sense because she hates her father. Screams the phrase, admit it, you little trollop. She starts crying, flips upside down to a very gratuitous butt shot. And he creepily fixes a wedgie. And she says, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. How can I ever thank you? You can go to dinner with me. Pick you up at seven, chesty. This is our introduction to this show. There's so much that is awful about this introduction that, like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I mean, the language, the just objectification, it's just... See, they could have gone away where they were subverting the trope of, like, objectifying women. Right. But they leaned right on into it, jumped right over it. Reversed, ran it over again. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know this joke? We're just going to go ahead and run it into the ground, even though it's a very bad joke. It is just horrible. And to literally call her chesty, as yeah. this man is supposed to be a psychologist, is just awful. And he like looks at the camera and says, we all, it's something like, there's a pig inside all of us or something like that, that's just like, Basically, a uh, almost a boys will be boys type of thing. Yeah, I think he says we're all pigs on the inside or something That's like it. that. Yeah, and it's just, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yep. And as I mentioned before, they uh, overdo the boob comedy because she hugs him. And you can see the imprints of her breasticles in his chest. It is just awful. Th- that makes me kind of curious how this initially kind of started. Like the, cause this was cut, but this, it's like, did it start in media res when he's like, oh, my hee-hog sense is tingling because that's when the whole like plot of the episode starts up is when he's in this scene. I I could see it either starting from there or starting from right after he jumps out the window and he's just flying along. And maybe like that narration kind of like gave it the exposition. Yeah. So... He says, jumping bejesus, my hog sense is tingling. Uh, His hog sense is his ultra-sensitive taste buds. So he sticks his tongue out, almost like a thermometer, uh, to sense danger, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. (laughs) And he tastes the air (laughs) and tastes the phrase, find me, he hog, save me, and reveals that his loving sidekick, Half-Life, is in danger. Now, I thought Half-Life was going to be like, kind of like, oh, it's Young Ward. It's actually like a fucking molecule. Yeah, it's just, it's just a weird ass molecule that mentions limbs, but we don't even really see any limbs. But we'll get, I mean, I'm getting ahead of, I'm getting ahead of it, but it's just the weirdest sidekick. See, I feel like this show, like it had the weirdness that it could have had to succeed. But it just was so gross and so badly written. Yeah. Like, the theme of this. Like, if they rewrote this, but like, as not a terrible show, I think it could have succeeded. Like, this could have been something like 
on Nickelodeon. Right. But they leaned into the grossness, the weirdness, not in the right way. Uh, agreed. They could have really leaned into the, the comedy aspect and, like, for forgive the pun, but really hammed it up. <laughs> and they just went the absolute wrong direction. Yeah, they went very ham-fisted with it. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he jumps out the window. Before, Right before that, he says, only way to solve this is to strip. Pulls off his psychologist outfit, and underneath is his costume. Looks a little like Buzz Lightyear. I didn't even think about that, but you're not wrong. Yeah, has, or Buzz Lightyear without the like helmet and everything. Right. Has that like weird cowl kind of thing. Uh, jumps out the window, screaming, I have the audacity. I was about to say, that did make me, act, that did give me a little bit of a chuckle. Yeah, that was one of the moments where it's just like, okay, I can see the framework of a TV show that could have worked here. Yes. Like a very audacious superhero. It, it, it reminded me a little bit of The Tick. Like with his weird kind of like, for justice kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's flying off. Very Superman-esque, goes out of frame, comes back into frame. He's helicoptering with his curly tail, goes back out of frame, comes back in, flying again like Superman, goes back out, comes in one more time. He's in a UFO, which again, the inklings of what could have worked. I, I like that, like this whole like playing around with the whole superhero trope. Yes. Then we get the moment that made me rewind and physically and audibly go, oof. He goes across a map mm-hmm. from America to Africa. America is labeled as civilization. Yep. Europe and China is labeled as foreigners. Africa is labeled as Africa. And South America is labeled as other. It's real bad. Real bad. And I think this was supposed to be made for uh, MTV. Because it mentions MTV at the end. I don't know if that was just like a meta reference or like if it actually was on MTV. Yeah. But even for MTV, this doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like they had Clone High and Clone High never delved into like that humor. Right. It's weird. Even like Beavis and Butthead, like people were like up in arms about that, but they're never going around going like, oh, America is civilization. Everything else is nothing. Like it was very odd direction to take the show in yeah i would say it felt out of place but um with the humor we saw in the first bit it just felt very um i mean it just felt like it was going for shock value which is i think one of the biggest issues i have with this whole thing is that it felt it didn't feel like any of its jokes were particularly earnest like the really offensive ones as much as they were just like we're trying to get people to say oof Exactly. Like you see a show like South Park, they go into shock humor, but they do it like in satire almost. Mm -hmm. This show is shock humor for the sake of shock humor. Right. And it's just not good. (laughs) Uh, So he lands in a jungle, uh, takes the UFO off as if it is a like a shirt and just kind of places it off to the side. And he helicopters through the jungle, finds a village which, another oof moment, uh, it is a bunch of hay huts, and pretty much everyone in this show, aside from his patient and Dr. Mole, who comes in later, 
is an anthropomorphized animal. Um, the animals in this village are dogs, but they look like they are blackface. Right. It's real bad. It's like, oh, it was very, very hard to watch when we got there. It's like, oh, oh, boy, this is like, it's like they did it so they could say, well, it wasn't blackface because they were dogs. But like, it's very clearly just a very bad caricature and it's awful. Yeah, it's just not, it's not good. Like, it's not even like Tom and Jerry where you can say, oh, it was a product of product of the times. Like, this is a product of 1999. This should not be happening in 1999. Right. <laughs> it shouldn't have been happening back then, but even more so in 1999. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we see a hut that says, quiet, torture in progress. And he says, I don't like the looks of that hut. I'll use my x-ray nipples. And again, this is like a very like Nickelodeon type comedy thing there. Like I could have seen this being something like standard in the show, like these weird. Right. Like powers that he has. And like as soon as he said x-ray nipples, I went, oh, this is by the same guy who did Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that That's when it clicked for me. It was the nipples. Always yep. the nipples. <laughs> so then we see a praying mantis. He is slapping Half-Life, demanding the secrets to He-Hog's power. And Half-Life is like, I'll never tell you. Um, and he is a molecule, as we said earlier. And Mantis is, you know, trying to torture him, trying to get this information out of him. He, like, grabs an electron that's, like, zooping around and he just pulls it off. Half-Life just goes like, aww. Then it gets real dark because he picks up a hot coal... And starts burning Half-Life, who, in a sequence that takes about 30 seconds that we don't see, is screaming horrifyingly. Yeah. And, like, we only see the reaction of these villagers, and it's just awful. It's the whole, like, your brain fills in the gaps with something more horrifying than if they had just shown it. Exactly. Even if they did show it, I feel like it still would have been pretty horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And the the bad guy interrogating him is a, like a praying mantis who's got like a Peter Lorre like voice. Uh, oh, not even Peter Lorre. It's like a mix of Peter Lorre and I don't know your typical henchman, like Mister type voice. It's real weird and does not fit in in the scene to me. Yeah, two things. I thought you were mentioning Hugh Laurie for some reason. <laughs> so I was very confused for a moment. <laughs> um, but you are right. It does feel like out of place. This whole show feels like it was one person doing all the voices, but not a talented voice actor. Yep. Like they were trying to just get a concept and a pilot ready. And they didn't have everything all set because it is very like static frames. It's pretty much... um mostly colored in animatics with a few uncolored scenes. Yeah. And it just feels like it was basically just one person doing this whole thing. And that kind of attributes to why some of the voices are not great. Like even Half-Life is like a, oh, hello. Like kind of a 1950s, like newspaper boy sidekick type thing. Yeah. Then we get Hee Hog. He busts in, and the mantis goes, eat hot coal, throws it at him, and he says, 
I'll quench it with my Ultra Coolosity armpit. Catches it in his armpit. And again, this is something that I liked, was like, these weird kind of powers that he has. I feel like that's a mainstay that could have like happened in each episode. Like, he doesn't really have any defined powers. It's just, oh, whatever the situation calls for, he has a power for it. And it's weird. Yeah, like there's there's so much potential for he's just got like gross powers, but they're still functional. And like, it's not about how gross they are. It's just about how like creatively he uses these gross powers that like could have been a good thing. Right. Like you got his uh, weird nipples, his armpit and later his butt. It's like that's very like cartoony. Yeah. And those are like funny body parts that are like it's never not going to be funny. Someone says, but you're going to laugh. Right. <laughs> Armpits are always funny. Of course, they make a fart noise. Just like a butt. Exactly. Oh, my God. It's all connected. <laughs> um, so he sends the villager dogs after him saying it's dinner time. Again, very, very problematic, especially when he first arrived in this village. There was someone cooking an upside down human. Uh, and he says a new catchphrase. I have the unmitigated gall. Again, this got a good chuckle out of me. Yep, I, I did like that. It has both the, like, the arrogance and the whole like He-Man type thing. And I think yeah. that's what they were playing off of. And this is where we get our uncolored like fight sequence. It's kind of... It looks like a sketch almost because it's not like cleaned up fully. And it's not colored in yet. And it's not a terrible fight sequence. Like it looks kind of okay. And we get, he's beating the crap out of one of them. Another one comes back and he has, you know, this weird, like, I don't know what the word is called. The <laughs> things like that you put a dart in shit, uh, blow dart. That's what yeah. it is. Don't know why <laughs> I literally had to connect me blowing and the fact that it's a dart <laughs> to realize it's a very simple term. And I don't know why I didn't connect the two. But uh, he has a blow dart and blows a hummingbird at his butt, which he catches between his butt cheeks. And he turns around, starts beating up that one, rips his tongue in half. Throughout this whole thing, uh, Half-Life is screaming like, help me, hee-haw, it hurts. Or help me, hee-haw, I bird egg. And it's super just unsettling. It is. And I feel like they were trying to go for like, Oh, it's funny because it's like a repeated thing and like Hee Haw isn't even like going over there yet. But it just comes off as like terrifying. Like if it was like someone like just kind of like poking him with a stick, like help me, Hee Haw, he's annoying. That would be kind of more funny. But like the fact that this man is burning alive, this Adam is burning alive. It's just yeah. terrifying. Yeah. So he beats up the two dogs, goes over to put the fire out on uh, Half-Life by putting his mouth over Half-Life's head. And then what I thought was fire or anthropomorphic fire comes over and jumps onto he hogs, butt. turns out it's marmalade and anthropomorphized marmalade. And he says, well, nothing I can do. And we find out his only weakness is marmalade on the butt. That's when Professor Mole comes in, mm. which is a man with a large forehead and a bunch of moles falling off of his head. Again, the fact he's Professor Mole, it could have been a mole. Right. <laughs> but instead, they went with, he has a lot of moles. 
and it was just not. It was is very skeezy and like, yeah. And he's there with uh, the mantis, who doesn't have a name. I'm just gonna call him Mantis. Uh, he reveals his vile plan, which he says, "Oh, it's not that vile. I'm gonna just feed some starving pigeons." Ehog goes, "Oh, well, that's not bad. What are you gonna feed him?" He yells, "Canada!" Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that that's I think the last good chuckle that this show got out of me. It was just so unexpected. <laughs> so he he reveals that he made the living marmalade because it'll disintegrate his butt meat, and then the ants will get to him. And Hehog turns to Half Life, says, "I know it looks bad, but no matter what happens, I love you, Half Life. The only way that a man can love a boy." Wait a minute, hold on, let me rephrase that. Again creepy mm-hmm. especially considering john crick Falusi is a pedo right and he says oh half-life look over there pulls out a gun shoots half-life in the head very of mice and men style with like george and lenny mm-hmm. and then he goes to shoot himself the frame pauses right as the bullets leaving the chamber says oh no will he hog be able to solve this problem what will happen Stay tuned to MTV to find out, which we don't get a resolution to because we come back and it's just he hog and Half-Life on the couch and Half-Life's just singing his praises like, oh, it must be so great being you, he hog. You got muscles, a cool suit. The president calls you all the time. Women love you. But isn't there something missing from your life? Something that brings you down to a mortal level? And Hehog has a breakdown saying, nobody ever asked me that. It's pants. I wish I had pants. And that is literally all we got and all we needed. Yeah. More than we needed of Hehog. Way more than we needed. Yeah. If you cut out all the problematic things, this episode would be five minutes long. (laughs) Yeah. If that. If that. And it would be a pretty decent five minutes. I mean, there's some solid goofs. Yeah. But not not when two-thirds of the episode is problematic. <laughs> yeah. It's so rough. It's horrible. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back. Well, hey there, nerd. Do you run games of Dungeons & Dragons, play the good sweet game, or want to but have no idea where to start? Well, come on over and listen to Crit Chat, a D&D advice podcast with a rotating cast of experienced DMs just waiting to give you all the best tips and tricks to make your games of Dungeons & Dragons the very best they can be. From how to run a campaign for first-time players to which monster in the manual is the most dateable, we've got it all. Find us by searching Crit Chat on your favorite podcast app or under Podcasts on iTunes. Warning, Quick Chat is obligated to talk about goblins at least once per episode. Anyone listening to this podcast may experience feelings of desire towards them and many other fantasy creatures, including but not limited to centaurs, satyrs, the inevitable, flumps, various golems, thrycreen, animated armor, shield guardians, cadaver collectors, any and all demons, and if you're kinky, the rug of smothering. So Daniel. Yeah. We're going to try out a new segment that I think this is the perfect candidate for. It's called Retool Time. Uh? <laughs> I'm not sure how you spell, uh, but, um, I'll have to figure that out before I write the description for this episode. Um, all good luck. I feel like there's probably at least six U's and a surprise Y somewhere in there. And somehow a silent Q. 
Yep. <laughs> so we're going to try and retool this show because there is the framework of what could have been a halfway decent Nickelodeon show or even a halfway decent like MTV or like Fox animation show. Right. But it's just so broken right now. So we got to retool it a little bit. So how do you think we could have made this something that could have succeeded? So obviously uh, taking out all of the problematic stuff, uh, not going misogynistic, racist, uh, just very bad with it. Uh, and I think for starters, uh, giving the alter ego a name from the get go. We got to think of a punny name for that, though. Definitely. Um, I was thinking Pork Chopley, but that's not good. No. Uh, but Hammond as a first name, maybe? There we go. Hammond. I think Hammond Pork Chopley would... Uh, like, Pork Chopley is like a hyphenated name. Uh, ooh, better yet, Park Chopley. Okay. But there's a recurring gag throughout the series where people call him Pork Chopley, and he's like, no, it's Park. See, I like that. I was thinking if we stuck with Hammond, it could be like Hammond Eggs. Oh, Hammond Eggs would be good. Or Hammond Bacon. And Kevin Bacon shows up at some point and reveals that he's his cousin. That's perfect. I love that so much. <laughs> so we got the name down. I do like the idea that he's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I think it be, would be better if like maybe other heroes came to him. Yes, a psychologist to the superheroes. Exactly. Like, you see shows like The Boys where it kind of delves into behind the scenes of superheroes. And I feel like that could be interesting. Or maybe like even if it's just like sidekicks that feel like they're unappreciated and they come to see him. Yeah, like a, um, you know, like henchmen or sidekicks. Yeah, who are just like, I feel like I'm unappreciated uh, and he's like, he helps them feel important and powerful. Exactly. He's like, there's no Batman without Robin. Well, there is, but, but the movie's Batman and Robin, you know, you can't have Batman and Robin without Robin. Exactly. Uh, and now I'm trying to think of another, but, oh boy, my brain's not working great. Um, uh, uh, Aquaman and Aqualad. Yes. <laughs> Aquaman and Aqua. There is no Aquaman without Aqualung. You know, it's I mean, weird. Aqualad. That is pretty hard to think of uh, other sidekicks. Also kind of weird that pretty much every sidekick is just like boy version. Yeah. Uh, like Superboy, Aqualad, which I think that actually could be kind of something he addresses. Like maybe he goes to a conference one day and that's like his presentation like, revealing, like, huh, these superheroes are projecting a lot, aren't they? Yes, I think that's a great, like, mid or mid to late season episode where, like, the writers are starting to run out of ideas. So, like, they have the full thing as just, like, him gearing up for his presentation. And then it's just like a clip show, basically, of a bunch of superheroes and their sidekicks. Uh, like, you know, Aquaman and Aqualad, you know, in these little short vignettes 
Or he's like, it's just the same person, just younger. Exactly. Like, even he hogged the atomic pig. He's the atomic pig. And an Adam is his sidekick. Right. I feel like this could be, like, the time for him to reveal his new sidekick, PowerPoint. And at, at the end of his presentation, he's just like, yeah, this was all put on by PowerPoint. Is PowerPoint, in this scenario, just Microsoft PowerPoint? It or... is, yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I was going to ask, maybe is it a, like a sentient, like, anthropomorphized projector screen that can just conjure up whatever slides it wants on its body? I feel like that's how it would manifest itself in the series. Perfect. Like, maybe... He's like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Well, he hog, hold on. First step, we need to click. A bullet point comes down. Infiltrate the layer. Here's <laughs> our plan. <laughs> step by step. And watch this cool transition. I just learned it. Ooh. And watch as step five comes swirling in. Boom. To the tune of... Uh, <laughs> To the tune of Country Roads. That's right. I figured out how to put music in it, too. <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. Oh, man. So we have his new sidekick. <laughs> Who do we have for villains? You know, I, I really like Dr. Mole or Professor Mole. Like as if like an actual mole. But, yeah, as an actual mole, 100%. Like. And and maybe there could be some uh, Mr. Magoo style, he can't see particularly well, uh, and gets things mixed up. Uh, but, like, I do like another, you know, anthropomorphized animal as his nemesis. I like the idea that Professor Mole, or Dr. Mole, whatever we want to call him, his main, like, thing is that he just fucks up people's lawns. But he thinks he's he hogs arch nemesis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and every time someone's just like, he hog, he's here again. He's just like, oh, can't you just call the exterminator? No, we got to call you. They said to call you. I'm going to make holes in all the lawns of the White House. <laughs> Fuck your petunias. <laughs> <laughs> Try playing NFL games. <laughs> Ooh, Tom Brady's leg is stuck in a hole. What's going to happen now, America? <laughs> His big plan is to attack the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> it's a brilliant plan. Millions of will be lost. <laughs> Although that could be a good season finale. That would be a great season finale, I think. He's underestimating... Dr. Mole this whole time, and then he plans to strike at the Super Bowl. They have to cancel it, and millions in advertising revenue is lost, collapses the economy, and he's like, oh shit, I should have taken him seriously. Yep. And then maybe the next season, he's like psychoanalyzing Dr. Mole and his alter ego so he can get like inside information. That's perfect. Because yeah, I think season one ends on that big downer note of like, our economy's collapsed, like, I didn't take him seriously. And so then he's like, I can't have the responsibility of being a superhero now. I have to just 
do my, you know, psychologist work and psychoanalyzes him and then like right at the end gets back his like confidence in himself and superheroes his way back into saving the day. Exactly. And he could be like, I have my confidence again. Yes, that's perfect. And then maybe like, maybe there's a season where he goes, you know what? I'm expanding my client base. The insurance is accepting villains now. And the superheroes don't like that. Does it almost become like Dexter? That's a good idea. He uses his job to find the supervillains and like tackles them before they're really, uh, you know, a big threat to everyone. And then all the superheroes, all the other superheroes are just out of luck. Right. They, They don't have anything to do anymore. So they're out of a job and they're mad at him and it turns into a thing. I've really spiraled, I think, away from the plot of Dexter, but I also knew very little about Dexter. Uh, aside from the overarching <laughs> idea of the show, I never saw an episode. So, And it's only four good seasons. You're fine. Fair. <laughs> but yeah, I like that because I was initially thinking like he kind of infiltrates like these villains plots like, oh, you know. I was feeling underappreciated or like, I don't feel noticed. So I'm going to go rob a bank, but he shows up early at the bank and it's just like, you are appreciated. So don't rob this bank because people, this old lady has all of her savings here, but I like that better. Him basically getting in ahead of the curve and taking out basically the whole hero industry. And that could lead to a good season finale where the heroes are now the villains. Yes. They have to turn to a life of crime. Because he hog essentially eliminated the need for superheroes. Mm-hmm. So then, like, the superheroes are, like, kind of alternating of, like, some of them doing crime and some of them stopping it so that the superheroes can still say, stay good in the eyes of the community. Exactly. Oh, this is, this is deep. Man. Can you get MTV on the phone? I think I can. <laughs> give me give me two seconds. Hold on. Huh? All right. They've blocked my number, apparently, so. Uh, uh, yeah. Again? Again. I thought I finally got off their do not call list, but nope. This just immediately went to voicemail. You got to stop hassling them to bring Daria back. It's not going to happen. It's about time. <laughs> And it should be live action. It should star Aubrey Plaza. And that's just what we need. It is what we need. (laughs) So I think the last thing we need to crack on this show is how it would end. Hmm. Or before that, actually, one of the signature moments of this show was his weird powers. What other powers do you think we could have kind of given him? Oh, yeah. Um... I think he would probably be able to, uh, pro- he would probably have a snot rocket or two mm-hmm. uh, to help apprehend criminals. I think, like, in a dark situation, he uses earwax as candles. Yes, definitely. Has that, like, basically a portable torch uh, through the, the wax in his ears. Um... I think he basically has a Swiss army butt. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, we've already got the corkscrew part of his tail. Yep. And we saw that he can catch a hummingbird with his his uh, tuchus. So yep. I think maybe like it could kind of be like an airbag almost like he's falling out of a building, lands on his butt and it expands. Yes, probably can emit sleeping gas. It, if he's a real pig, yes. Yes, it yep. can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think also it's just a real good butt, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just a really good butt. Like, maybe he just used it as a distraction. Like, everyone's like, wow, that's a nice butt. Yeah. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, he's sneaking into Fort Knox or something. Right. It's. I think. I feel like this has to be set in Boston so that he can make a Boston butt joke. That could work. He's like, nothing better than a Boston butt. And Boston beans are what powers the sleeping gas. Perfect. I think maybe the way this show ends is he retires as a hero. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, I think maybe we might want to go a little dark for like the very end but like the last episode is just like he retires as a hero everyone is super proud of him uh and he you know dies peacefully in his sleep uh but then they use his body and turn him into bacon uh and eating that bacon gives someone else his superpowers can i tell you I was yeah. literally thinking <laughs> when you said he dies, I was thinking this man is going to be bacon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's got to be. There's there's no there's no other way. He's like, use me for bacon. Eat my Boston butt. <laughs> but not in like the sexy way. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the I'm, practical way. <laughs> I'm too old for butt play. <laughs> I'm dying. I don't need that now. <laughs> but yeah, I think maybe, and this might be too on the nose, but maybe like we see the whole process of like him getting turned into bacon, someone going to the store, buying the bacon, frying it up, and then sitting down to like a, a bacon and egg breakfast they pick up a strip, they bite it, and we see, boom, it's Kevin Bacon, and now he's a superhero. And then he looks at his butt. What's that? A curly tail. And also, it's a nice butt. Nice, nice butt. <laughs> and I think that's how Kevin Bacon became an actor. Yes. that's the. It's really, this is just a very long Kevin Bacon origin story. It is. With very little Kevin Bacon and very right. little Kevin Bacon payoff. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all we can do for this horrible show. I think we saved it, though. I think so. Because, oh, it needed saving. Oh, yes, it did. And MTV, Fox, if you want to, you know, hit us up, we can write this show for you. Uh, we basically just did. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. Daniel, if people want to uh, find you in your shows, how would they do so? Uh, certainly. So I have uh, several podcasts that I'm a part of, uh, including a couple of actual play podcasts, a Gravity Falls review podcast, 
and a podcast that is still yet to come out because I have so much editing to do for it. Uh, <laughs> but it is a uh, concept album review podcast that uh, you are on an episode of. Yeah, that was a fun time. It was very fun, and I'm very excited to finish editing those and getting those up, which should be coming out sometime in December. Uh, but the best way to find any of those projects is to follow me on Twitter at Dantendo64. Definitely check out those shows. Um, yeah, I was I was struggling to figure out how he's going to introduce you this episode because I'm like, <laughs> he's on a few shows. Yeah, I don't know which one to do. So I was just like, I'm just going to go with Daniel. <laughs> that works. That works. Uh, and if you want to find us, we're at Unaired Podcast on all social media. And thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It was definitely a fun time. <laughs> um, yeah, and just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Bye.